0: What I wanted to get from Doug and I think that he did well was I think that he is going after Christians who don't have a worldview for this at all and fit in since it's legal it might as well it should be okay
1: yeah, That's the conversation that as a pastor I can't find myself having. Yeah, he's well, right. he's if it's nailing, legalized, so then I can then just can I smoke meat I'm like,
0: whoa, like, if we're having so that conversation, I don't want to have that conversation right because now you're asking me, well can I get stoned?
1: Right.
0: Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm always going to say, no, no. Yeah, you can't be out of your you mind. Be, oh, here, here goes earpieces right here. You,
1: can just, can't, you can't be, be
0: yeah, You can't exactly. And so Period. Um, I don't. But for me, that's category. So open up beyond that, yeah. that I would say the same thing as relates to sugar, as relates to anything that you are losing the point of self-control in. Right. Um, you don't that that's no, you can't do that. No, you need to have disciplines to that, you know. Right. So I think I think he's getting that he's finding out that uh, what you need. Got it. Aha! He's
1: uh, he's looking at it and saying like, "Oh, this is just revealing a pretty deep-seated legalism."
0: Yes. Um yeah, exactly. I think so. And so with Christians who have no barriers. So I was concerned that he was going to be more of the fact that, you know, um if we legalize it, uh, if, if it becomes legal, we got a problem. So we need to keep it illegal. Yeah. And he's he's also he, he's he's pulling um, what's his name that said you don't tear down a fence without knowing why you should put it right. up. Chesterton. Chesterton. He, I yeah. think he's uh, actually holding to his Chesterton Chestertonian worldview, and and saying okay, so it's illegal. It was illegal. There were some problems we must have had with it. Why are we going to take down that fence? Yeah. And if we take down that fence. What's going to rush in?
1: Right. Do we know what the fence was keeping out? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And and the fact that Christians are so willing to take that down without having. Um, he's, he made a good point in the book that I think I didn't have, which was, and I'm very much fear sovereignty, which is one of the things that I think he's, he's, he, he said that was like stone that I didn't think about. He's like, well, he doesn't believe that there should be legal uh, reasoning for the state to take over the legalization of and punishing outside of punishing whatever crimes that should be done. Anyway, Yeah, the family and the, and the church should have penalties against this, right? That the state doesn't. And it's, and I think he's right. Like, I really do think he's right about that. He's hitting at something that I don't see that. I think when pastors are dealing with people in counseling sessions, they write books to everybody else in the world who doesn't have those problems and aren't seeing the manifestation of those problems. They write books to that problem because they know they're going to be seeing it, they're going to be doing it, right. and everybody else looks at a pastor like, you've lost your mind.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, what I have what I have watched happen is in Washington, Spokane, marijuana gets legalized, and it draws a whole bunch of people towards a particular party, right? We're going to legalize marijuana. And it, there's a whole group of young people that hadn't been interested in politics immediately drawn in. But mm. then there's also this group that's, that once the, the like tax anything that moves group also got really excited and jumped in and realized actually one of the biggest problems with the black market is they don't pay taxes. Right, right, right. And that made me think, oh, I don't want marijuana legalized because I want it in a black market.
2: <laughs> right, so that's a whole other
1: argument. I would rather have it in a black market than legalized because it's actually the existence of a black market is good for the church in the long run.
0: Well, the whole church is about to be in its own black exactly, market. Exactly,
1: exactly. So, And I 10 years ago, if you would have told me, I would have been hoping for the... Some safe black market spaces. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, people forget that our whole founding in America, like our forefathers, part of their run around, their game plan was tea in the black market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it wasn't even the tea, black yeah, yeah. whiskey. whiskey yeah. 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 It wasn't yeah. even about it wasn't even about um, the thing itself.
1: Right. It yeah. was about freedom. It, it was about the fact that they didn't want what they were doing to suddenly be called a black market.
0: Mm. Right right right
1: and, but now i look at it and say oh man you know what i don't want a bunch of marijuana tax money hmm. flowing through the hands uh, of the wait to <laughs> uh, well, th- flowing through the halls of power like th- i think that's more dangerous than um even though you know i tend uh to be more libertarian that you know this is a church and a family issue uh yeah yeah i'm not a, i'm not a libertarian but i tend on certain issues to align, but
0: should we say that they more align with us?
1: I, well, I think so. I think that they are holding on to something that's was traditionally more conser- of mm-hmm. conservative. position. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right so. now, Republicanism definitely is it's interesting. I never thought about, I never thought about that in that way. Like I don't want, I, here's what I don't want. I'm thinking more of the grab of, I don't want the government to. So I think it was Lemuel Haines. Um, Lemuel Haynes helped me really see this when he was talking about um, segregation and slavery and all this other stuff and liberty. And he said for someone to come in there and to act as if they are God and to limit things where God hasn't limited them or to allow things to progress past where God has limited them, they then are functioning as God. And so that's that's the first commandment. But then the second commandment is that if you obey that, then you are breaking the second commandment, assuming that they are acting like God and then bowing down to the image right. of this person or whatever they've said. Well, they're taxing you beyond where they should be taxed, whether they're telling you that you can't be a free man, uh, whatever that is. They are functioning, acting like God, therefore breaking the first and second commandment. And you are not allowed as a human being to um, bow down to false images right, or to acknowledge any other God but Christ, but who Christ is and the living God. So... He helped me see. So when somebody starts pushing against the limitation of where God has not limited or to expand those limitations where God has limited, I immediately say, you don't get to act as God. Right. And so that's the first thing that hits in my head. But there's a whole nother consequences of that that you're talking about as it relates to drug that is like, okay, that's problematic with the black market.
1: Yeah. And some of that, so, and some of this is being a revolutionary versus being a reformer, Right. A revolutionary has an ideal and says, how do we implement the ideal? A reformer says, how do we take in the next step in the right direction? Mm. Right, And so when I look at something like marijuana legalization, I think what's the next step in the right direction? Straight legalization I don't think is.
2: Mm. Now, mm.
1: I do think that getting to the point, uh, we, and it's a couple of reasons. One is... Because we, we have an untrustworthy uh, financial system in terms of where the government is. The other is that um, when you've been treating people like 13-year-olds for mm-hmm. you know, 50, 60 years. At, at least. To say, oh, yeah, here's an uh, AK-47 and two bottles of whiskey. That's not proof. Right. No, you're, right. <laughs> you'd, you'd, you're not. I, I, but now how do we get there? This is where, um, I think, I think we need to, I think, lean on our revivalist heritage a lot more often than we do, and say, we we, we need some revival. Yeah, and see, well, <laughs> the, the, the,
0: I think that if I have a problem with why we shouldn't, first of all, the government should have the reins anyway. That's my first mm-hmm. thought. So, mm-hmm. I, that, my pushback would be that since they don't have the reins, they need to let go of the reins. But then what you're requiring is a whole bunch of people who are not disciplined to all of a sudden take something that they shouldn't. so now we're back in the garden again where you can look. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is going to be yours one day, right. not now. And so there's all kinds of things in God's world that eventually we'll be able to progress and have and, and, and be able to manage and better. But. In a form of maturity, right? That's what's happening in Revelations. It's like you're mature now to be able to take this thing, come, have. But there's a point where you're not mature to be able to handle that, and so you don't need to. And I think the same thing I feel with marijuana. It's like it's kind of a, I'm torn. The government does not need to have this authority whatsoever. It's not theirs. But at the same time, we don't have a mature polis, Mm -hmm. a disciplined polis to be able to, Handle this sort of freedom given to them, God didn't take the children of Israel right out of Egypt and give them the promised land right they had to go through the wilderness with yeah. all this sand to get beat up and torn well, up and st- tough
1: they they had come out of Egypt, but Egypt hadn't come out of them yet right so they <laughs> that's the
0: right right he had to get and actually some of them Egypt never came out right. of right? right you know they so died in the wilderness. They, and so they had to die there because they didn't get enough egypt out of them um yeah. so
1: and that that kind of generational View that of maturity that the Bible has, I think, is something that I mean we need to learn. Um, And you, 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 right now, what we say is, well, the horses should all be free, and so we just take the reins off them, even though the horse is still in the living room. Mm -hmm, (laughs) You're like. -hmm,
2: like, mm like
0: we haven't really created freedom <laughs> right. because freedom is like attached to something. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's so. good. It's, yeah, yeah. We, we've let him, we take him off the latch in the living room and say, look, yeah. he's a free look, horse. He's a free
1: horse. Like, yeah, but you're still in the living room.
0: And we're wondering why the yeah. whole living room is getting messed up, <laughs> right. but we've done the right thing. Yeah. Well, kind of, you got to put the freeness where the freeness belongs in outside. Right. Yeah. And because there's rules in here, that's really good. I think that, yeah. So that's kind of, <laughs> well, that's leading kind of to the whole conversation. So, if, if you're listening to this, you're the first time that we're acknowledging you. First of all, thank you. Uh, but I, So this is Jason Farley. He actually used to have a show, one of my favorite shows on the network. I still lament the fact that your show isn't there. I think it's because the the way you labeled the title, Westminster Confession of Funk. I think people are like, what? None <laughs> yeah, of those go right. together. Right, it's Funk, Westminster, <laughs> all was, that stuff.
1: It was a bad, uh, well... I think it was a good title with a bad marketer behind it. I, <laughs> well, I didn't know how to get people there.
0: Well, I think what it was is like if it was a good title. If you had a chance to disciple all those people to what you meant by all right, that. Right, yeah. that, was, that was it. <laughs> And so now you are working with Lore TV, Lore TV, and you are. What, what do you do at Lore?
1: I am the president of Artists and Repertoire. That's my title. Yeah. Confession of <laughs> Funk all over again,
0: and yeah. and so um, what, what do you do there?
1: So w- what I do is. Uh, communicate with the artists that we're trying to bring in to make movies and television and documentaries on our platform and help them understand how the platform works, help them understand the financial sides, and then communicate from the artists to the developers and uh, the business folks what it is that the artists need, sort of translate and speak both languages so that the artists and the business people don't ever have to see each other.
0: Mm, that's a lovely dream. If you can make that happen, I, I appreciate that. Although I got to say, Lure has some of the best people, as far as the business guys you want to see oh that, yeah you know I, yeah um, I'm spoiled yeah that's so uh, I mean while that's a good thing to happen because they don't always speak the same language right. yeah, but boy dialects. Lure uh, you know having met these guys I, I really like them and love the business side they get they get what's going on there's still always a disconnection between creatives and business guys yeah but and so it's good to have you there It's kind of like the replacement of the A R, you know artist <laughs> development you know for back in the day so um, you're also an elder.
1: I, yeah, I'm an elder, at Cormdale Presbyterian Church, wonderful church up in Spokane, PCA.
0: And you're also a poet.
1: I am. I've got a couple of uh, collections of poetry that have already been released. I've got a third that is ready and uh, is going to be released fairly soon. It's the the uh, typesetting is in the middle of happening right now.
0: I think I got that line from you, no one, uh, uh, no one doubts a belly laugh. Uh, something like that. Atheists don't doubt a belly laugh or something
1: like that. I'm talking about our children. Um, But yeah, that, that, uh, that when you're raising kids and something that your kids are never going to doubt is laughter, right? So if you have a, a table, a house filled with the joy of the Lord, um, that you've got joy sort of flowing from your heart and a, a house full of laughter, your kids don't grow up and say, you know, when I don't believe, I don't believe any of those punchlines anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, And so mm-hmm. um, when we're trying to build faith into the next generation, just the importance of joy and laughter, something you can't doubt because it's something that you um, experience and mm-hmm. feel in a way that is undoubtable.
0: Yeah. It, that's um, the, I think since I've we've been talking and even been out here for the last eight. I don't remember last time we, I don't remember how we met. Yeah, I have no back. idea like how we met. I was trying to put in my head, like when was the first time I met? And it just, whenever we met, it felt like we've known each other for a long Forever, time. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but I, I remember as we've been talking, it's been helping solidify the position that I've always felt, which is our rhetoric and our logic and our arguments don't have to be separated from humanity, how we operate, function and think, it seems like so much as a conservative, we have arguments, but they don't actually penetrate the heart. And so we got to pe- get people somehow to jump in and believe those arguments with everything they have yeah. instead of just being like, duh, like I live <laughs> like that. Like I embrace yeah. all of that. And and so yeah,
1: our greatest, our greatest argument for the truth of truth is that it's beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so so this is kind of bringing up. So I've been talking to you for years about stuff and we we've always had these great conversations. And finally, I was like, you know what? I mean, here's um, let's just have this conversation in front of everybody. And so that's kind of what we're doing. So one of the conversations that we've had many, but the one that i seen right now that with critical race theory and intersectionality and the whole world trends, just just this other day, I saw an article I reported on in the news brief where Lego, is doing a salute to the LGBTQ plus movement, right? Uh, with and uh, and I was upset not because not because they're doing it, because they didn't go all the way, <laughs> right? Like I was mad.
1: Yeah. I I, I was I thought, man, if this is a great Babylon V article, and then, yeah. it, and then it wasn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I was upset because I'm like, man, if they're gonna like tip their hat, like, don't run half of it. Run the whole thing. All their pieces were regular Legos <laughs> right. with just colors that had changed on the front of them. Yeah. yeah. And then
1: I didn't it was like th- blackface. Legos. Yeah,
0: exactly. They're blackface Legos. Right. But, but, but it was even worse. I list, I went and found the um, guy who actually came up with this. He had had it on his desk for a while, I guess. And so <laughs> he said, and then he's like, we, we didn't really, um, we allowed the pieces to be, um, Designed in such a way that the creators could make them man or woman, however they decided them to be. And I was like, what? Are you telling me? Are you telling me (laughs) that the person who's in charge, the creator... Gets to make that Lego a man and that Lego a woman.
1: Yeah, no, Lego doesn't get decided for itself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Lego doesn't get yeah. And I'm just sitting here saying like they can't escape their own reality. It's inescapable. Like Legos are binary.
1: Yeah, and but they want to put got a th- male side and a female side.
0: They, exactly. But even like, what they build, like they don't build nothing. If you stack them, like, they they build something. I mean, people praise Legos because Star Wars. Right, right. Right, you know, or they, or they praise Legos because, like, oh, wow, I can't believe they built the skyscraper. Um, non binary Legos don't build anything. Right. And so it was more of an insult, like, why would you guys, if you guys go all the way and make Legos that just have no connecting
1: pieces? <laughs> well, that was actually the Babylon Bee article that did come out. <laughs> oh, did yeah, it? It was, it was classic.
0: I didn't see that yeah. one. Yeah. But I, so right now, two years ago, I did a film called By What Standard for Founders. And in that film, nobody was talking about critical race theory until we dropped that film. Not in the same way. It was bad, but it wasn't a buzzword yet. And so, uh, but now everybody's talking about critical race theory, intersectionality, trans stuff, women pastors. I mean, it's in a new light. It's all yeah, over the place. Right. And it's, there is this surface conversation that's happening with all these topics, but there's something else underneath it that is far more distressing And when we were talking about this, there's a couple of things. You brought up a book to me. You said, well, this is Gnosticism.
1: Right. I can't remember
0: the name of the book right now, though. Um, Oh, what's the Uh, book?
1: Science, Politics, and Gnosticism by Eric Vogelin. Yes. Yeah.
0: And so I started reading that. It blew my mind. But then as I was filming this piece with Founders uh, two years ago, Jared started, we we were doing this. We spent all this money for this museum. These guys are supposed to be filming there on the set jared i I had all these videos arranged and he was supposed to talk to you guys gonna punch at these punch at these drill down into them and tell them why they're wrong and then so jared longshore comes out and starts talking metaphysics and i was like what's he doing (laughs) right like and he was
1: solving problems,
0: right, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Wasn't ready for that yeah. though. And nor was my film. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm sitting here looking like, what is he talking about? And so Tom is still operating. He's talking about the problems of social ju- all this stuff like that. And then Jared talks about, so it's metaphysics or some one ism, two ism stuff. And it's like, what are you doing? We never used any of that stuff in the film.
1: <laughs> Cause there's probably the, the, the baby steps from here to there probably weren't.
0: What do you mean metaphysics? Yeah. You're going meta on me? Like, what is that? I don't even know what you're talking. Like, that doesn't have, I don't have a, you know, there's no tracks for that train in my brain. Yeah. Right? And so, um, but after spending a little more time, I'm starting to feel like we have a massive, massive metaphysic problem. But it's manifesting itself to me, particularly in the trans movement and then everything else. And so we started talking. And, man, you just kind of like... Open my head up to this. And so I was like, man, let's just talk about this. So let, just kind of where we're at with all that in, in, in light, how is it that we have a metaphysics problem? And then I want to define what metaphysics is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So metaphysics is the study of what things are and what they're for, basically. So
0: it's a cup, holds water, <laughs> keeps it, it cold.
1: Well, right. That's the that's sort of the, the usefulness of it. But the question of what what a th- what a thing is is a question of what is the metaphysic, right? What is um, we live in a world full of things, but we are also a thing. And to say um, how do we decide what a thing is? How do we know if we know that what a thing is? You're you're getting into metaphysical questions. Yeah,
0: because I can say. Well, I'm a cup, too, because I hold water.
1: Right. Right? We, even that. Even the question of do, who gets to decide, right? Where does mm. the definition of a thing come from? Those are all metaphysical questions. And metaphysics has gone out of fashion because it got eat, eaten alive by a very smart Nazi named Derrida. Right? He he followed um, the atheism to its logical conclusion and hit, hit the... The uh, end of the metaphysics of atheism, mm-hmm. and everybody looked over the edge of that despair and said, "Oh, yeah, we can't do that," and backed off. And so, people avoid metaphysics now. And whereas it used to be a central question that you're regularly having to
0: wrestle yeah, yeah, with, yeah, yeah,
1: now Derrida realized that without Jesus, then um, he he says, "We are simply lieutenants of the nothing." That was the phrase that he used. Mm. So uh, we're lieutenants of the nothing, and what that means is that we live in a world of things, and in that world of things, we are one of the things. Except for we also have a mind, and we can, with our mind, step outside of the world of things into the nothing, turn around, look objectively upon things from that vantage point, and compare and decide if things, uh, what, what things are, but the only way we can define what things are from that position that our mind takes looking objectively down upon things from the nothing is it is that is not that, right? So um, we can only define by nihilism. We can only define by what something is not. So we can't actually discover if something has an essence, if it, has, if it has its own identity and existence and has a purpose and a usefulness, mm-hmm. all we can do is say, well, this cup is not that cup. That cup is not that table, right? And so that cup is not any of these other things. Therefore, that's how we know that this cup is this cup because of what it's not. Can't he, tell you what it is. Can't tell you what it is. And he said, therefore, the human condition is anxiety,
2: <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. All that being the case, the human ang- the human condition is anxiety. That's all we've got left. And so, because
0: um, we don't know what anything
1: is, because we don't know what anything is, and we can't discover what we are, what we're for. That how would drive me it. nuts, right? And so everybody looked at it and, and said, Derrida's right. Nobody talk about a physics anymore. <laughs> that's not gonna. That's not gonna work, right?" And so everybody moved away from metaphysics as something you study to talk about. So,
0: so he took, so as an atheist, I just want to understand he took metaphysics and ran it that far out as an atheist, right? As an atheist, right. But that's not, is he defining metaphysics, right? Is he running metaphysics properly?
1: So what he's, so what happened is in the ancient world, you had Plato, Aristotle, uh, Lucretius, you know, you had guys doing metaphysics and they were saying, okay, things have a nature. We know that. How do we discover it? Right. That's the, that's the question that they're asking. How do we discover the nature of things?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You get to uh, you know, we, when the Christians come along. What you know when the the world starts getting converted. When the gospel gets poured into the wine uh, to, to the uh, um oh, the the uh, into the question right when mm-hmm. Jesus gets poured into the question mm-hmm. the Bible. Answers pretty clearly, um, Colossians one that uh, that Jesus is the integration point of all things. Mm. Right, all things get their relationship from or get their uh, definition, what they are, in relation to Jesus. Mm. What is this in relation to Jesus? That's how we know what a thing is, right? So mm. it has, so um, that blows up. It comes to touch everything, that understanding that what a thing is, is defined by what it is in relation to Jesus.
0: Because in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things were made by him without there was anything made that was made. So Christ ultimately gets to define what is
1: it. Right. And so then what they they argued about the essence of things, how do we know how something relates to Jesus – how do we? How do we? How can we become confident that we've discovered the essence of a thing in relation to Jesus? But everybody agreed uh, throughout the Middle Ages that that's how things are defined: their relationship to Jesus, their relationship to God revealed in Christ. Right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you have, um, you know, you have guys like Maximus the Confessor saying, uh, the 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 history of the universe is the the all created things enacting the liturgy of the praise of the Lord because of their joy and love for God. Right. Mm. So, why do the stars move? Mm-hmm. They love God so much they can't help but dance through the sky mm-hmm. in the course that God set up for them. That's the liturgy of their praise. Right? The heavens declare the glory, heavens declare yeah. the glory of God. Right. So, you you get to um, you you have this this becomes the central definition, and everything then has its integrating point. Um, and everything has a fitting place in terms of its relation to God. And uh-huh. you get a universe that fits together. Everything has its place. And then I know where my place is, where I can discover where my place is.
0: Yeah, so you got a galaxy. It has a flow and a function and a form that it goes through, right? You have the you know the planets, they're on a system. Right. Their flow and function. You have the sun that sits in the si- It's amazing that the sun is at the center of the universe. I mean, come on now. Right. You know, but, and so, and then you have Earth. Is, so you have all these these things right. that are doing what they're supposed to be doing.
1: Right. They're all doing what they're supposed to be doing. And we um, discover the nature of a thing in terms of its relation to Christ. And we then take that thing and we know we're using it properly. When we're using it the way God designed it to be used, Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. and then and but that goes for our neighbor, right? I know, uh, I know what I'm supposed to do with my neighbor because, in relation to Christ, I know who He is, right? Right. I, I can, uh, He is made in the image of God,
2: Mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. can
1: return. I can, God has loved me, and then we want to return love to Him, and He says, "Well, return love to me by loving." My image, which is walking around mm. beside mm. you, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. My service. I'm just going to fix that for you. You're good. You're good. I see you getting <laughs> yeah. all into it. I Go am, for I, it. I don't want to interrupt yeah. you. My service to God is serve, I can serve my neighbor because he's made in the image of God. And so I'm returning service to God by serving my neighbor, by loving my neighbor.
0: As and, you've done to the least of these. Right, right, right. Okay, Exactly.
1: So we discover what our neighbor is for by knowing what kind of creature he is and how he relates to Jesus. Mm. Right? Um. John Calvin calls the, the created order, the theater of God's glory, right? Mm-hmm. So what kind of place is this? Well, this is the kind of place where we can act in such a way that God is glorified, right? That's mm-hmm. the kind of place this is. It's a stage mm-hmm. for the glorification of, of God. And it's also a stage where God the Father glorifies his son, where the Son glorifies the Spirit and the Father, right? That's the kind of place we live. Those are these things are props in that kind of play. Right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that I mean, we would you might call it a medieval understanding, but it it, it stretched you know, up until you get to the Enlightenment. What happened is when you start trying to when you take God revealed in Christ out of the picture, you don't actually get. Plato and Aristotle fl- flowing back in and taking their place again, which is what the people in the Enlightenment thought would happen. We can take Jesus out, we'll get the classical world back, right? But it mm-hmm. doesn't work that way because the classical world was converted. Right? You, you have, um, you, know, you you look at old rituals, say, of the worship of Mars, right? If you were going to plant a field in Rome or outside of Rome, Before you did that, you would take a pig, you would march it around the field three times, you would set up an altar, you would say a prayer to Mars, you would kill the pig, and you would dump the blood out on the altar. And then you would put the pig on there and you would burn it up. And Mm. that pig then would become bacon that shows up on the table of Mars up in the heavens. And then Mars would be distracted long enough eating the pig that you could then plant wow. your field. The field would know what to do as long as Mars left. Wasn't it alone, watching. Right? <laughs> and so you you were you were always trying to get the gods to leave you alone in the ancient world. Well mm. that all switches around, right? In the in the tabernacle or in the temple, you bring an offering because you want to have fellowship with God, but you can't. You try to get too close, you're gonna die. Right? There's cherubim at the gates of the garden they're going to cut you down there's levites at the gates of the tabernacle they're going to cut you down made have an abihu try to go in they Stranger, get cut down yeah. by th- right you you but you you love god you want to be close to him and so you bring an offering and that offering becomes a point, point of fellowship between you completely different way mm-hmm. seeing the world
0: because you're dealing with your sins right right so and and so is it fair to say that too you see a god that is looking to have fellowship with his people because he's there yep. in a the tabernacle,
1: right? Right. He's tabernacling with him, but yet that fellowship is still... It, it's still stifled by sin. Right. Right? It's still stifled by death, right? So you've got pagans trying to get their God to leave them alone. And you've got the the uh, God's people wanting so badly to be with God that they're making sacrifices. Jesus comes along, takes those two people, unites them together. And when you get somebody like St. Francis, right, he's... He, he is, he would have been, I, I probably would have been of the tribe of Gaul, right? Okay. And he, uh, <laughs> he writes a hymn, brother, brother, moon, sister, son, uh, uh, other way around, brother, son, sister, moon, mm-hmm. join us in worship or the doxology praise God from whom all blessings flow. Yeah. Praise, praise, him, all, praise yeah. him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Mm-hmm. Right. We're we're in church on Sunday and we're saying to Mars, Yeah, hey, come on, we're going to church. Yeah. Come join us for praises, right? We're asking
0: all of the universe to all, praise God. To praise God, God with us.
1: You think of the relationship that has changed between Mars and us as heathens from the that ancient world to now when we're saying, Hey, hey, brother. Come on, mm-hmm. we're going to church, mm-hmm. Mars. We're going to, we, you know, we're to the, Jupiter, to, the, yeah. to the heavenly host, right? We have the, the whole world, we were afraid of it because it was a, it was a threat to us. Jesus, uh, because we, uh, our, we didn't understand it in, or it was it, to be uh, to understand it in relationship to Christ was to be afraid of it because we should have been afraid of Christ. Mm-hmm. right. We were not in fellowship with God. The world was, and so we were at odds with the world. When we are reconciled to God, we're reconciled to all things in Christ. Even and the world
0: itself is even reconciled, the world itself
1: yeah. is reconciled, right? So we come now. Our relationship to the world has so completely shifted um, in the Middle Ages that when the Enlightenment, they thought, well, we'll just we'll get to keep that relationship to the world, but we'll shuttle God in Christ out, right? Mm. You end up with Derrida. You end up, you either have Jesus and you get the whole world or you lose Jesus and you get nothing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what he says is what we get is the nothing and we end up simply priests of the nothing, right? Mm. And, um,
0: and that's how you get a metaphys- metaphysics all of a sudden that isn't connected to.
1: That's, you, you get a, di- you get a mes- metaphysic in which nothing has a nature, Nothing has is is right. Nothing has a thing in and of itself, right? It, everything is just molecules that happen to be in this shape right now, but they can be shifted and changed.
0: That's evolution before evolution.
1: It is right. The reason that evolution takes off right in the generation of Charles Spurgeon, suddenly evolution takes over, right? That doesn't happen unless you've already changed your metaphysic, right? Right. You didn't get evolution because you had a, you had mm. uh, it, you didn't get a new metaphysic because evolution came in, right? Evolution is just evidence that the metaphysic had been shifted and changed. Wow! Right, and so now we look at things and we say, um, you know, G.K. Chesterton talking about Karl Marx, he said he you before you can get someone that changes the world like Karl Marx. First, you have to have someone that changes the heavens. You mm. can't get a new world, a Marxist world, unless first you had somebody mm. give you a new heavens, right? So our relationship to the heavens had already been shifted and changed. We looked up and we saw, uh, you know, in in the Middle Ages, this is what I mean by change. In the Middle Ages, the universe was called the musical instrument of God, or God's strings section,
0: mm. right?
1: The-, the Heaven's of clerical the, we well, yeah, go. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? that that you looked up there and and it didn't matter if you're talking you know Greece and Rome they talked about the uh, the music of the spheres right and i mean they meant like as they moved through the sky they made noise and it was all in harmony and so you would get like giant enya pieces songs in the sky if wow, you the- if you got up there beyond the moon right right, right? um or if you look at how how were, try, they, how were they able to know the
0: harmonies that they were making? I mean, I,
1: <laughs> I, mathematics, right? They they can, they knew how long it would take and, um, for it to go around, and so they would calculate what tone would that make, and mm. you know, um, they knew the yeah. Speed we can figure and, that out yeah. now, I mean, yeah, yeah. Sonic
0: uh, wave is going to happen. It was going to go, yeah. Expect right. this to, happen. yeah. We can. Yeah.
1: All right. And then, but if and but if you read like you know Anglo-Saxon or Germanic poetry or something, and they talk about the stars. There's also music up there, but it's the music that they believe in, right? It's or the, the music that they have experience with. It's tribal music and mm-hmm, this, but the stars mm-hmm. are still dancing through the sky, right? So mm-hmm. when they look up there and they imagine what would it like to be up there? There's song and dance and, you know, it's bright and all
0: right. When right. we
1: look up and we imagine the heavens, you know, we think of Sandra Bullock floating through the dark, cold emptiness,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: and it's not a surprise then that when we look into our own selves we say well it's all dark and cold and empty there right mm-hmm. but we don't believe that the world uh has a, a that, that the world all fits together and so we don't believe we have a fitting place we think that the world doesn't have intention mm-hmm. right and so there's no fitting place for me to be in it. I don't have a purpose, and so,
0: but I mean, as you're talking, all I can think of is, um, you know, probably about 15 years ago, as I'm working through my Reformed theology, my Reformed theology doesn't have a place for this, the way that I was learning it. It I, it it had a whole lot of ethics, but it, I don't think that it actually had a metaphysic. I don't. I can't think of when I was, when I was looking to this, this is why I'm talking to you because I was looking for uh, a Christian metaphysics, and I'm looking on YouTube for somebody who's talking about metaphysics from, first of all, the videos look really weird <laughs> and they're all really weird and new yeah. age. And it's right. like, eh, I don't think I want to watch it. I watch them like they're boring. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to hear you talk about that. And so there wasn't a lot of places I could turn and look to find a, and when people talk about metaphysics from a Christian position, they have a lot of philosophy but they're not usually tying the universe together as a full orchestra that is playing a particular song that reminds you the the, the song you're in that you should be playing along with too, right, right and your part in it, which um, I think that makes probably some of us afraid, but it's like, but that's all in that's all scripture, like you're that's in that's the, the word of God is telling us that constantly
1: right. so, um well, first off, probably um, the place to look would be for people discussing cosmology because um in evangelical circles well
0: <laughs> come on
1: <laughs> no but see the, here's the thing it's like you've got some really incredible works right now um uh from people pe- people like Michael Ward who wrote Planet Narnia right digging into what was the medieval cosmology right and the reason that we actually need our imagination broadened to be able to have the conversation about metaphysics because we don't, we can't see it in our own day and age, it, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but
0: okay. Well, that, that's what we don't see it. Maybe necessarily out front, but we see the product of what happens when it's messed up, right? Like the Lego stuff. I just yeah, yeah. sixty minutes just got doing a whole piece, got done doing this past week a whole piece on detransitioning kids. And it wasn't a whole bunch of older, it was teenagers who went and got a pill to stop their hormones, to block their hormones, and then to go and get sex changes. And then within a year change back because it didn't solve the problem of them feeling horrible. And now they even feel worse because they're wondering if they're going to be normal because I cut off my testicles. Yeah. So how am I going to be a normal boy? And I look at that. I'm like, that's a metaphysics problem.
1: It is because we're not asking the question, what am I for? Right, what kind of creature am I, and what am I for? Right, we're asking the question. We we just assume. Well, there isn't any ultimate overarching purpose. Therefore, um, you know, the the whatever pleasure I can or can't get out of this mm-hmm. is what it is. Mm-hmm. That's and so right, right. The parents look at their kids and they're like, "This is
0: what I want." It's hedonism.
1: Yeah, hedonism. Right, and. There is, there's, I mean, I th- and I think there's actually an argument for the existence of God in there. Yeah, right, that we should be making. Yeah, absolutely. Right, um, our capacity for pleasure uh, is a gift from God. Yeah, but well, our new
0: bodies are going to be designed for extensive, extensive, and high-end right, forms right. of pleasure. Right, like that's yeah part of the new design and,
1: and pleasure. Um, Every time that we experience, you know, you've got the, the law of diminishing turn, returns in pleasure where every time I experience pleasure, when I go back to that pleasure, it is less pleasurable. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear an amazing symphony, um, you go to a beautiful opera, you go to a really, you know, the you hear the new, um, you know, the uh, great new hip hop album. Right. And you're mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. right? And and then you hear it again and you're like, Yeah, it's still good and and saying the first time you heard it, yeah. You hear the third time and you're like, Yeah, it can be background music now, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. And that law of diminishing returns, because we uh, because we have decided what kind of creature we are, we we miss what's actually going on there, right? We are the kind of creature that is designed to eternally enjoy fellowship with an infinite God. Mm. So what's actually going on is we experience the pleasure and our capacity for pleasure expands, mm. right? Every time we experience a pleasure, our capacity for pleasure sp- expands mm. the, but the pleasure, the created pleasure does not, it stays the same size. So when we go back to that pleasure, it doesn't fill us to the edges like it did once because the edges have grown.
0: Wow, it's even funny. So even in our sin, when we're using something like drugs or whatever, mm-hmm. when you take a hit of it, and it's like, oh my goodness, right? Okay, I've never done it. I'm just assuming I've seen yeah. it before on TV. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> then the, they come back and it's like they got to get more to try and get to that place, and it's it's because their desire for that thing has expanded. It's not like the thing is even less,
1: right? Or so, their capacity to experience pleasure there, yeah, has expanded. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Because of the kind of creature they are, right? Mm. Because of the telos, what they've been designed for, Um, they and but when you miss that, you think the problem is in the created thing. But it, but when we know that the created thing is not designed to give eternal pleasure, right? That it it passes through our fingers like the wind does. Solomon says, right? When Mm. when you grasp after some sort of eternal pleasure in uh it passes through your f- out of created things it passes through your fingers like the wind does but it, but we are actually designed to be able to into eternity experience the pleasure of fellowship with an eternal infinite god
0: mm, that can fill that mm. can
1: fill that no matter how uh, how we expand in our ability to experience pleasure he can fill it mm. right and so for eternity, for eternity, right? We continue to grow and expand in our capacity to experience pleasure, and, and as we mature, so that we can continue to grow in our relationship with God mm. into eternity. That's the kind of creature we are. To be I mean, one of the central things about being made in the image of God is to be uh, the kind of creature that can have fellowship with God. Mm. Right? That's why he made mm. us in this image.
0: So, um, I think everybody understands when I talk about, um, what you're for as it relates to, uh, it, when I talk about metaphysics and you see it, the, 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 the pimple of the problem inside of transgenderism and homosexuality, but that is also a, a, a pointing to more kind of with Christians. I don't think we have a Christian metaphysics at all. Mm-hmm. And it, the way that I see it popping up is that the way that, um, people talk about, um, Roles and leaderships in churches, so you got the idea. Even right now in the SBC, is a big deal, and it's in, it's coming up inside of uh, Presbyterian churches as a uh, homosexual stuff um, with revoice um, with, with with women in positions of pastors. Like, but that's not what you're for, right? Like that's that's the, you know, like so and so. Right. We're arguing it's like, but I feel called to this. I heard the Lord call me to this, and it's like, but you're not for that, yeah. you know, and so well,
1: and I think that I think it, there's it, it, and but this is why it's a question of metaphysics, because it's even deeper than that's not what um, you're for, because it's it's like saying, um, you know, the role of pastor. Um, it's not a matter of of genitalia. Right. Right. But pastor is a particular masculine yeah. role like husband yeah you, yeah you can't say well i'm called to be husband and, and uh even though you're a woman right, right right because the
0: well give it a second <laughs> well no right, but that's I,
1: but it, it, and that that's what i'm saying though is that our metaphysic as christian says well no husband by definition is a male mm-hmm. role mm-hmm. right husband means the male uh, in the in the marriage relationship mm-hmm. right? that's what it is by definition so and pastor is a male role in that sort of way because the, uh paul argues from creation order right mm-hmm. that that paul paul says adam was created first
0: mm-hmm. so he's right? going metaphysics on us right he, now
1: he's talking metaphysics he's saying what kind of creature is adam right and what kind of creature is eve what what kind of being are they, and that tells us what they're for, mm. um, and and how how we should treat them and what they're for. Uh, Where metaphysics precedes ethics. What do you mean by that? You, you can't know how you should um, use or treat a thing um, until you know what it is and what it's for, mm. right? So if I
0: Mm. Yeah, I've heard you say, that you, we've talked about this, and I've been waiting to ask you the question. So, so like, you say that we have our conversation about ethics when we really need to be having a conversation about metaphysics.
1: Right, exactly. But, so,
0: right now, give me an example of where you see we're arguing ethics over metaphysics.
1: Um, well, you know, I think a, a good example is when you start talking gay marriage. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Christians start saying, you know, you, you, you make the argument, well— you know, you hear somebody say, "Well, it's, it's kind of gross, right?" Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, okay, but it, yeah. and maybe, maybe you know, it's, I look at it and think I probably ought to feel that way, but I was raised, I went to public schools, I, oh, I, I was hidden. the gross
0: factor has been eroded. Yeah,
1: it's not there, right? right it doesn't, right. doesn't doesn't gross me out.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that now. Where actually yeah. in the black community, it used to be something like you lost your whole mind. Now this whole new wave of black folks, I don't know them. Right. The erosion of that the yuck factor is absolutely gone from them. And it's just like, that's just what he wants to do. That's him. He's letting him
1: be him. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story about the day after Obama was elected living in California? Uh-uh. Oh, man. Sitting in Starbucks. And I heard what was going on. And I had uh, uh, the <laughs> sitting there. And I was like, okay, well, Prop 8 didn't pass, right? Or mm-hmm. uh, Prop 8. Obama was elected, but Prop 8 also passed, which was... Defining, opposing game, yeah. Uh, marriages yeah between a man and a woman now that's a metaphysical problem too that the that the government's laying down definitions yeah because they're not right. for that they're, they're, right well they're at, yeah gov- the you they're trying to lay down a definition on what is actually a metaphysical truth but that's that's, that's, that's a whole other, that's other whole other thing but <laughs> these three um middle-aged white women were like i'm so excited that obama was elected but I I forgot that black people haven't really been educated enough to know about gay marriage yet. Mm -hmm. So it's great that Obama brought all these black people to the (laughs) polls, but we've got to really... Because they not to get no educate, You got to educate yeah. them about yeah. homosexuality because they can sometimes be bigots. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, hey, "This is the most racist conversation <laughs> that I've ever heard." i was so, I'm so sad. That there's uh, all those ignorant black people. Yeah, <laughs> but well, like, they worked on it because <laughs> yeah, well, th- they'd already been working on it because yep. you know, they were all going, to government, going to government
0: school. Yeah, no. So, all right, so. Anyway, you, you that's that's just an aside. That's just one of my favorite. <laughs> but so favorite get back to stories. the
1: what is it that was right. So what you have is the the question of marriage. Uh, what is it for? What 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 are people? What are they for? What is marriage? What is it for? You, you can't actually. There are, there are parts of it that make it no longer marriage if you change them out, right? Um there was a really funny mad TV back in the nineties of a guy who um, was trying to apply for a um, marriage license between him and a bowl of soup. Mm -hmm, (laughs) It was really funny. I love it. Yeah. he's like, I love my bowl of soup. Yeah. My bowl of soup treats me well. I treat my bowl of soup well. I've been with it for 30 years. So why can't I have a marriage license? Right. (laughs) And at the point, at that point that was just absurdist humor. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is a, it, which is a great, it was a very useful form of humor, and but nobody could foresee the fact that now that's on the table, right? But the reason is because we back then everybody knew what marriage was and what it was for, even
0: right? though it was being eroded. It, right? they it still, was being eroded,
1: yeah. but the problem is, was in 1979 when you had, when you had uh, a government say, let me give you the definition of. Mm. marriage marriage is between a man and a woman that that opened up the possibility of saying oh well if government's given us the definition then government can change it
0: then we just have to go to the government to get a right. definitional change so well that's a problem because christians were the ones who were pushing for that
1: right but it was because they had they had given in on metaphysics Long before they were having those eth- ethical and discussions So, are you, are you, so are, then it became a question of power.
0: Okay, so that's what I'm going to say. So when they, they felt like they have lost the war on metaphysics. and So what we're going to do as our last-ditch form of restraint is use the government mm-hmm. to force people into what we want them to be without right. actually fighting the culture for the definitions of metaphysics?
1: Right. It's the same, same reason you get the Pledge of Allegiance, right? The Pledge of Allegiance is evidence that the allegiance has ro- eroded away so much that we have to force people to say it. Mm. Right, the pledge of allegiance isn't a good sign. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The pledges of allegiance, the pledge of allegiance is, uh oh, we're slipping. We're slipping. We got to fix it. There's something.
0: So okay, so this is interesting. Um, So as we see institutions, I'm gonna pick on the SBC because it's the largest Christian institution right now in America. I know nothing about it, and you don't know anything (laughs) about it, no. But I'm seeing um, certain things rise up now. So, critical race theory, two years ago, got introduced inside the SBC through Resolution 9. It was used as an analytical tool. Um, I did a film with Tom Askell and Jared Longshore to push back against the idea of critical race theory. Um, being something that is accepted as, as a resolution, even as an analytical tool, because it's not just an analytical tool, right? right? How did twenty twenty with the riots turn out analytically? It, <laughs> you know, it wasn't just right. an analytical tool, right? It was a worldview. But so when, when you see institutions kind of raising up, but these kind of safeguards, are you saying they've already lost like their metaphysics in that to the point?
1: Yeah. Th- so there are there are institutions that if if you're having to backfill um, backfill support. And come in and say well here's here's what's going on mm. um, then you've actually lost the war on the front end and you what you need is to actually dig in and rebuild foundations mm. right because it, it, if you say oh man the water's coming in through the back uh through the back door you can put up a bunch of sand bags. Right and and stop the water from flowing in and but then if you say okay good the water has stopped flowing in right we're good then you've missed the point right you, the sandbags are not actually a solution and mm. um, we have treated often um, sandbags as the solution because the only well,
0: yeah. no no you're you're good I jump in there. I, um, Jump in anywhere. I, I you. I don't even know all the questions to ask. So you just okay. feel free to jump in there. But I, so I just want to real drill down on this marriage thing. So by the time the church is pushing in the seventies to have marriage be defined between a man and a woman, they think they're looking at the culture and seeing the culture come in on them, and so we need to define this marriage between a woman. Otherwise, we're going to be submissive to the culture. But you're saying you have messed up your metaphysics so much. That the culture is now pressing in on you, and your last-ditch effort is to use your biggest weapon, which is the government.
1: Right, right.
0: So then what should have happened? At, with the What should have happened with their metaphysics and, the, and their worldview in order to be able to actually—because it seems like they're trying to do a good thing.
1: Right. I mean, what needed to happen was they needed to start—it um, says judgment begins with the household of God, right? Right. What they do is they what we have done, right? Yeah, yeah, do yeah. It us, yeah, what yeah. we have done is immediately said we need a scapegoat. The world is our scapegoat, right? Um, wonderful uh, French literary theory, Rene Girard, who shows um, that throughout literature and then also scripturally that that um, the easiest way to hold a society together is to get them all angry at the same thing mm. all angry at the same person that and then that becomes our scapegoat that holds us together mm-hmm. and um any he, any he says it's because we were we we're as a society because of sin we are built to need a scapegoat which is why when jesus came in you can actually have true community mm. right? we mm-hmm. do need a scapegoat because he be, and he became yes he became that true so scapegoat, scapegoat
0: is a scapegoat S- is inescapable inescapable
1: right and so but as soon as the church starts looking at the world and saying, hey, they are the problem, right? you can actually gather a community really easily and quickly by, mm. all, by all pointing at and accusing Critical race theory. Right. Yeah. It's pressing in on us. Right. It's pressing in on us. Mm. That's the problem. Um, uh, Dick Lucas, British theologian, says uh, the best guard against heresy is to know and love the truth. The right. mm-hmm. so heresies will switch and change we have not dug in and decided to know and love the truth on marriage we haven't said what we, we have said let me tell you all the things that are wrong with the way the world views marriage right? Mm. And then, but we haven't actually said hey I'm going to go love my wife now right I'm going to go learn what my wife is for mm. I'm going to go learn what kind of creature my wife is and what she's for what God says about her how to treat her I'm going to go learn what kind of creature my husband is and what he's for, what God says about him and how I'm going to treat him. I'm going to live in front of my children with uh, integrity in my marriage, right? Because that instead what we've done is we've said we've got to keep the world out instead of say, man, their marriages are terrible. We have an opportunity to live the gospel right out loud in front of them, right? But that requires repentance, that requires confession of sin, agreeing with God that how we're living is bad. And, and
0: faith, too.
1: And faith, right. Because
0: yeah. if you're, I think what tends to happen is when Christians see that huge wave of secularism that they've helped create,
1: mm-hmm.
0: pushing up on them. Well, it
1: was our idea. <laughs>
0: right. Um, what we don't believe, I I've, I've realize this even with myself, what I, what I don't believe is that my repentance to Jesus and me being faithful is going to take a effect in such a way that it will protect against that wave that's coming up against me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I don't think, you know, the way the pre- the real pressures of seeing that kind of destruction of my own sins and my own, um, you know, compliance, you know, and, and not and complicity in, in whatever the situation is, I don't believe that actually going and repenting of that and doing what you said, figuring out, and I want to add one to that, is like, okay, Lord, what am I for? How am I then in relationship to my wife, what she is for, how do I honor her as my boss? Who is he? How do I honor him in the relationship? I don't believe that that's actually going to stop in time that particular onslaught of judgment that I see coming, and so what I want to do quickly is run to the most safe place, like the three little pigs, yeah. and make my assault from there from like government. Now, okay, right, m- quick government. Let's look, all the movies, all the movies with world judgment, judgment that we made is we all run to the government. They create a rocket ship that goes and destroys the asteroid in space before it gets to us, right? right like, it, right, but. The way that God's, and maybe this is something even my metaphysics teaches me to do that, right? My metaphysics says what you need to do, because I don't have a biblical one, instead of saying, no, 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 you were created by a being who has said, if you come to him, right, he will wash, wash you white as snow. And, I, and, and so I don't, the way that I'm designed, I'm not designed to run to my knees. Right. Because my knees aren't going to fix this problem that's coming on me as an onslaught. Yeah as judgment.
1: Yeah cuz we, we have to we have to believe that the only place that you find manna is in the wilderness. Right? So that when when the cuz that we do often exactly what the uh, Israelites did when they they got through the Red Sea and then they say did you bring us out here to kill us? Right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we 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 gathered up we 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 were gathered into this spot because of because of Pharaoh's army it was so big and strong right so here we are and then we say is God really going to provide right we get backed up against the Red Sea and we say well we better we better appeal the Pharaoh yeah right right right, right,
2: right. yeah um,
1: and rather than saying like oh whew, good I know this story right I know how this turns out um, here mm-hmm. comes Pharaoh's army well, here's we 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 got a red sea behind us i i I love watching these stories these are great mm-hmm. um, okay lord which you know <laughs> which way is it going to open right. um, or we say you know I was having a really interesting conversation with somebody recently because all of uh, um my church meets in downtown spokane and uh a bunch of wonderful gorgeous steeples right in on a bunch of churches and we meet in um the first floor of a high rise right? mm-hmm. and sitting there looking out the window and you can see all of the steeples. They're all empty on Sunday morning. Right. Mm. <laughs> it's like, Hey, this is what exile looks like. right? Mm. We're in the first floor of a business building where one of the churches actually meeting. All of the churches in the big beautiful steeples are empty right now. What the, I, but I know, I know this story, right? I know how, I know how exile works for God's people. Right. Exile is a blessing because of resurrection, right? Right. When God says, hey, look, here's a here's a coffin, climb in. Um, we don't say, but Lord, you die in coffins, right? You say, oh, I know this story, right? Mm. Lay down and God says, okay, now I'm gonna hammer you in. Right, you say, "Ooh, okay. Well, I wonder which side the door breaks out on." Right, I know how this story works. Right, um, and that, that's, that's
0: Where's the sacrifice, Daddy? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. exactly. I know this story. Where's sacrifice? Sacrifice. We're in that kind of moment, in, and um, the where the faithful churches are not in the steeples. Uh, right. Right, and. But because we know the story, we can rejoice. We can sit on the edge of our seats, looking for the resurrection. We're like, oh, oh, there's bones everywhere. Ah, when, when, I wonder when they're going to start to rattle. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a um, so. That's very helpful dealing with that whole piece with, um, you know, when we see ourselves in a position too that it's like, man, here goes the mountain we got to climb. Um, let me get on my knees and ask right. God for, could you help? Um, could you help me develop a Christian metaphysics because I, um, I don't think I, I I have one as good as I would like, and and I so for me it's been going back to Genesis, right? Um, yeah, and just reading that over and over. I I feel like the first eleven chapters of Genesis is the whole Bible, and if you know <laughs> if I can just understand that, but I, I feel like. Um, going through this narrative um, Of what thing, of what God has made And what they are for Is something that's lost We don't even have Those conversations anymore I'm talking to my friends On the issues of race And racism And real problems And real issues But I even feel like I'm talking past them sometimes In the conversation You know And so I feel The more that I'm Centering um, The metaphysics Of the universe The more it feels like That I'm creating a more robust anthropology, you know, um, cosmology, cosmology. Yeah. 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 All those things connected Um, things that I usually let the world have. i usually let them have all those things, but God made all of it. Right. You know, so how do we, how do we start repositioning to a more biblical metaphysics metaphysics?
1: Yeah. Well, so,
0: and, and cause I don't think we even know what that looks like when I hear people talk about this.
1: Right. And, um, you know, the, the different times God's people have really dug in on metaphysics uh, a number of times. We've had some brilliant, uh, you know, uh, brilliant thinkers that have dug in on metaphysics at different times. And what they always do is they start from where they are and
0: work their way back.
1: And we're and we'll just pour the gospel into the wineskin they have and mm. look and what, and look for where it bursts right like augustine's a great example he was a um you, you know he's living in a world of platonists and neoplatonists and when he's young he he looks around and he says okay using my platonic categories um how do i describe things and then he'll say wait that one doesn't really work scripturally and, and then you get old augustine who, who thinks differently still uses some of the same words but you know he's writing retractions in in his Mm -hmm. old age about Mm -hmm. things he wrote when he was younger right it's so there's the you always have to back in to metaphysics from where you're at because your metaphysics are are kind of invisible to you
0: yeah so how do i do that and so kind of i guess where are we at
1: i guess it's a question like where are we at and how
0: do we back into it
1: well so where we're at is we have um i mean we we have a world filled to the brim with social anxiety. Right, every person you meet um, has some level of social anxiety, or it lives with some some level of anxiety discomfort that they don't they don't know if there is a place in this creation where they fit. Right, this
0: goes back to the beginning. We don't know what. It's for what we it is. We don't know what it is. We know what it's we relationship what to it's in some right. senses. We don't know what it is. So then we don't know what it's for. Yeah. So then we don't have an ethic and we don't have a so, definition. Yeah. So we need a dictionary.
1: So, well, <laughs> our, our, our ethic ends up becoming a question of power, right? Who's in charge? Who gets to define, uh, right? And so when we talk ethics, and you, you see this happening. I just saw uh, Texas banning critical race theory. Uh-huh, Florida's right? trying to as well. It's a bad idea. Yeah. Right. Why is it bad? Because you have, you have uh, agreed mm. on all the fundamentals with them. That this is really just a question of power, and we've got it. So back the hell
0: off. Yeah, so if we right. don't get enough people to vote, <laughs> we're going to lose, guys. we yeah. got to get— mm. Right,
1: and so there will be no critical race theory here, right? That's, that's that, for one, you're pretty, at that point, critical race theory, all they have to do is say, see, told you.
0: Right, which they're doing, that's exactly yeah, like why like, is it such a big deal all of a sudden, you know, yeah because right, right. can I just add one more thing to race
1: that? theory is a big a big uh, saying like everything's a power play, and you're like, oh, yeah, and we're gonna win
0: <laughs> right, in, my biggest problem with the ultimate was like uh, I, I see Florida's doing the same thing, and I'm like, so just wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. how long have they been teaching evolution in the schools, I don't know. Like for real, like how long have we been teaching evolution? And all of a sudden, in three years, critical race theory, bam, it's gone. I'm (laughs) like, oh, okay. So so first of all, we can do something about it. So I don't want to hear this BS no more, this pro-life movement stuff. I've watched people move faster than lightning to start pushing against critical race theory while they've been dragging their feet for 50 years in the pro-life movement. I just don't believe it anymore. So for me, categories are being destroyed in a different way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, when the when Foucault, the philosopher Foucault, said all is power, right? Um, we have we have agreed with him in our in our modern modern metaphys- metaphysics and ethic, and then um, have said, and the problem is, I don't have any. Right? Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people come along, you know, Christians that come along and say. I will you know Christ can restore you to the power right you know and so you get um you uh you the mm. you get the kind of the equivalent of speak your truth movements in churches and in, uh, in counseling movements and you know you we got to re re-empowerment movements all sorts of things mm-hmm. but all of that is is actually because um our our metaphysic doesn't believe that there is an an integrated world, and that there's a place for us in it. God tells us what our place in the world is. We, uh, he, he says in, in Genesis, that our job is to uh, to, uh, to multiply, uh, and take dominion,
0: cultivate. Right?
1: Yeah the The job he gives to Adam when he gives him a garden is garden this place and guard it. Right? Mm-hmm. Two jobs. He's told he can't do it without a helper. Right? He's not, Adam's not told that. We're told that as an aside. Now, Adam can't do this without a helper. Right? And then, but well, he, he figured that <laughs> out too, right? <laughs> Finally, because
0: well, he says, "Finally, someone, yeah, flesh of my yeah. flesh." Right?
1: Well, but this is how he figures it out: is God says, um, "Hey, name these animals." And mm-hmm. He brings them by two, by two, by two, by two, and Adam's naming them, and he's like, "Oh, those two are that." Those, and then he's like, "Wait a second. Where's my two? <laughs> I, I'm just one there too, and God says, "Now you've learned the first bit of wisdom. Mm. Let me seal it to you." And He kills him, right? <laughs> <laughs> because there's no, no resurrection that's not resurrection, or there's no wisdom that's not resurrection wisdom. No
0: wisdom that's not resurrection. Right? So wisdom.
1: He, he He kills him, takes takes out his side, stabs him in the side with a spear, pulls out his rib, and He forms that rib into uh, Eve. Here's your helper, and then uh, he what if He's going to guard and garden the the eden he first needs to learn to guard and garden the garden of eve and he fails to guard her but she's where all the wisdom he needs is hidden but he doesn't garden her because he can't guard her right so his so w- what we see right off the bat is that we are that we as a species are husbandmen and priests Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, um, guard and garden this place and then, uh, we return it to God, mm-hmm. right? That is where we fit, right? And if we can learn to interact with everything I- in our lives, in those categories, then we'll discover, uh, the anxiety goes away, right? The anxiety is is that feeling of not fitting
0: because now you have all your purpose,
1: right? You, you know what you are, uh, you know what you're for, right?
0: And that's inescapable. That's So going back to this, so hold that, pause that. Cause yeah. I don't want to lose that. I want to keep going, but I'm fitting together with that 60 minutes piece where these kids are changing their sex, actually going through surgery and taking blockers from their natural desire design in order to try and understand that simple truth right there. It's really simple. And that simple truth, Right there, and if they understood that, there would be no need to cut off their testicles.
1: Right, right, exactly. Or they, their breasts. Yeah, they look at it and they say, "I don't feel like I fit here." Yes, I. And they're told, "Well, you know what you're for. You're for orgasm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what you. That's what you're That's what you're intended for." Mm-hmm. Right? And and they're like, "Oh, well, I better do what it takes to now. get that right." And I there, mean, there's a reason. Um that ev- every uh, that there's an, a new there's a whole Broadway musical now about social anxiety, right? Dear Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as a storyteller, as a writer, I think, man, I wish I would could have sat in that meeting to figure out who the heck greenlit that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, I've got a story. It's this kid who's too afraid to go outside. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that'll make a great musical. Right. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but but everybody looks at it and is like, oh, I can identify with that story. Mm-hmm. Right. And as the church, we should say, Oh, that's an issue. And oh, we don't have an answer. Right. We don't we have not come up with an effective answer. The gospel. Right. It is, but we haven't applied it. Right. We haven't actually right. We, it, so what we start doing is uh, we start talking, uh, you know, well, how do we, you, uh, maybe there's some methods or what's, what's the, what's, what are psychologists doing? Oh, maybe there's a medication. And right, we, so we, we dive in to solve the problem of anxiety exactly the same way the world does, because I don't think we know, right? I think mm, as a church, we broadly, don't have a metaphysics. We don't have a, a metaphysic of what am I, who am I, what I'm for, what am I for? right but i think it's the same reason we have when when um that we skip passages in ephesians on uh wives submit to your husbands when we Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. we i teach the teenage bible study at my church we have a lot of fun we were playing bible pictionary a couple weeks ago and everybody picks out uh, a verse to give to the other team that they have to draw on the board and as and it's the first time ever that nobody picked out and they were naked and uh, and unashamed. That's always when <laughs> I Yeah, yeah get teenagers there. leave it no, to yeah, them. <laughs> yeah. Or you get something out of Ezekiel that some new visitor seventh grade girl looks at and is like, I can't I can't draw. do <laughs> I don't know what a donkey um but I, I I threw in um wives submit to your husbands, right? out of Ephesians five. Just cause it's amazing to watch them squirm. Mm. Right? So I just I watched the teenagers go. Oh, I'm so uncomfortable with that verse.
0: Like, why? Because they know what it means.
1: They, because they don't. <laughs> they don't know how it fits. Uh, right. They uh, do There's no fitting place in their understanding of people. That submission can is be beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. A good thing. Right? It goes back to what
0: you were talking about with beauty. Okay. So we're in Genesis. You're developing my metaphysics still. And so now understanding God has made you in this world, in this universe, to protect and keep. Right, to, to yeah, to, to guard, cultivate and guard. To guard
1: know. and keep, and then oblate is the, what, that's what a priest does. Okay. right. Lift yeah. up to the Lord. Which, and if he knew
0: that as a priest, then he would have died for her as a priest. Yeah. He's like, nah, this is on yeah. me.
1: I know what she's for. Yeah. Right? She is this vessel of wisdom. She is my helper here to help me accomplish uh, the the goals that God has given me, that and I don't, and I can't do it without her. Mm-hmm. That dragon is a threat, you know. And he maybe would have picked up a rock and started pounding on the head of the dragon. Maybe he would have said, hold, whoa, 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 hold up. Mm-hmm. God's coming later. I don't know what I need yet. I need to talk to him. And God would have come and said, yeah, here's, a, Here, here's, here's a a stone. <laughs> here's a stone, right. or here's a long, sharp stone called yeah, a sword. Yeah, yeah, Take that right. out.
0: Oh, So then...
1: And so he made a. He maybe still needed to go to God for more wisdom because he wouldn't know what to do, because he didn't have experience with death. Or he might have just jumped on the thing and held its throat until it
0: take it to the Lord. Lord, Lord, this thing is lying about you, right? Right. Or I mean, I guess too, even after taking of the fruit,
1: but that's the that's the way you oblate a dragon, right? How do you lift a dragon up to the Lord, right? Well, one head at a time.
0: (laughs) That's right. Okay, so walk that out for me now in our current society, let's call that repentance. And we come back to that. How do we walk that out in a way now with our current society where it starts affecting the rest of the world, By having that simple understanding that's really simple. Like, it's like kind of like saying, like you guys talk about metaphysics, but you said you just need to believe Genesis (laughs) one,
1: right? Like, you know, it, it, we, um, but it, but it, but um, God gives us wisdom that we have to wrestle for so that we'll, own strength, right? Mm-hmm. So,
0: what would you so say earlier about the death? There's no, um, there's
1: there's no resurrection. There's no wisdom that's not resurrection wisdom, right? right.
0: Yeah. So you got to die in order to be able to get it.
1: Yeah. So if we if we're uh, you know a priest and, and we we know that everything here is supposed to be lifted up to God, then we say, okay, how do I now? I've got a particular thing in front of me. What will it look like for me to lift that up to God? Right. So my checkbook. What will it look like for me to lift that up to God? You know, my
0: So now we get into ethics. Now now we, to, now yeah, we no.
1: get to ethics because mm. we know, well, what's the what's the purpose of this thing? You know, let's say coffee, right? What's the per I've got mm. I've got a I've got coffee. Um, what's the purpose of it? Well, it's an opportunity to honor God love mm. my neighbor. Brings you joy. Right. Yeah. It it, it, helps you balance
0: your checkbooks, stay awake at (laughs) night to longer work longer. Like it has purpose. Like you can start listing all the purposes for it. And so, you know, to go to this thing because it brings these things into focus for you as far as purpose.
1: Right. Right. And then as soon as you start dealing with it in those terms, you discover that there are layers, right? Okay. That there's layers to the, to the world that God made. Right. Cause a cup of coffee, um, When you know, well, this is something that God made, right? He gave it to me as a gift and I can use it to love others. I can, I can, Mm. there's so I I could become um, hopelessly addicted to it. Mm -hmm. And that would be uh, using it for a selfish reason. And I'm, it, I'm no, I'm I'm no longer oblating it. I'm no longer lifting it up to the Lord at that point. Now I'm serving myself with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But it, it also, uh, and and this is what you discover when you start digging into metaphysics. It also uh, turns the whole world into uh, one uh, one giant allegorical story that is teaching you about who God is, right? Because He's drawing you into this. He says, "Here's the, here's the theater of my glory." Right? Come in here. Find your cup of coffee. Figure out what to do with it in order to use it properly to love me and love others. Mm. Right. And then like, Oh, and since God built all the props, there's also a poetic meaning behind all of it. Mm. Right. There's a, there's, there's a whole, it opens up the beauty of the world in a way that you lose when everything is about yourself. Right. So then a cup of coffee is, you know, it's something that, you know, helps me wake up in the morning as part of my morning liturgy, but it also Is a a cup full of the good news about Jesus Christ, right? Because
0: now you're tripping. You you gotta take the
1: bean, right? You gotta take the bean, okay? It's gotta die, Mm -hmm. right? And dry out, and then you gotta roast it and grind it. (laughs) It's gotta die if you're
0: gonna get wisdom, yes,
1: (laughs) you gotta roast it and grind it. You know, it's not just any death, it's like a crucifixion death. Mm. Then you baptize it, (laughs) right? Then you add milk. Leave it to
0: you, Presbyterians. <laughs> then
1: you had milk and honey, like the promised land.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Then,
1: then it raises the dead.
0: <laughs> okay. Right. So, but, but everything turns into that in one way. Or everything, ever, everything. Wine. Like, Look at right. grapes, right? right? We get that with that, you know. Yeah, you know, all the charismatic people back in the day used to take that olive oil, the extra virgin olive oil. They used yeah. to make that blessed oil from you, and they use it because you
1: got to get crushed, right? You get exactly, that juice out of that,
0: right? Put it on your glory,
1: and you that's know? and and it makes you shine, right? Right, like, right, right, right. right. Like, and but I, and that, but that's all that's all true, but we lose that we've lost all of that. Man,
0: that's funny because I've always thought so. I've always thought with well, my Baptist brothers and sisters that um, I find the hardest time telling stories for them because there's no sacramental theology, but maybe it's not just them in one sense. It's that it's our metaphysics is so broken that we don't see the universe that all these things are connected to the sun, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> that are connected yeah. to the gospel, that are connected to God telling this huge, massive story all the way down to the ant.
1: Right, right. Yeah. All, you know, all the way down to molecules. That we we right.
0: don't even see. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that the whole thing, right? So when Calvin talks about the, the whole, this, what is this universe? Well, it's the theater of God's glory, right? And we are actors and on this is a stage, and this, these are all props. And, yeah, right? yeah. That this is all intended by God to communicate Christ's glory, right? Yeah, that, yeah. That everything is, you know, and when you're a move maker. You know that every decision that you make along the way. Everyone. Uh, every single decision has to. It either helps the story or you don't make it. Yeah. Right. Yep. It's From the person
0: walking in the back of the scene, you know, everything. I mean, the light that shines that you don't ever see, you know, the person, I'm, I'm even adding sounds to make you believe that the room that they're actually in, this right. is going on. You know, and so yeah, there's, there's, all, every decision matters in that situation. So then you brought a ton of books. I was like, Jason, why don't <laughs> you come? I just called you last night. I was like, dude, come up here. Like, and you just brought a ton of books with you. And I'm. There's no way that I'm gonna ever read all of these books. But why in the? <laughs> it's like oh, this is gonna be a simple conversation. You got thousands of books, and you got these. You got these books with these neck of people in them with triangles and circles and weird stuff around them. mine's it's like dude. We were just talking about metaphysics. I don't know yeah. what you're doing over here. Get this porn up out of here. Like right. <laughs> what is good? Uh, what, do you, what do you have?
1: I'm, I'm just. So um, this has been for me. It's been years of study because I. Uh, I mean, I, I, I was, I wasn't raised going to church. I was thankfully I had parents though, that uh, would, my mom would drive me down to the library. Let me fill my backpack to the brim and then go home and read. And there were certain books that, you know, my, my elementary school librarian uh, introduced me to J.R.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. uh, in uh, second, third grade, somewhere around there and got really into Tolkien and, and, uh, found C.S. Lewis through that, found uh, King Arthur through that, and so I had this uh, excellent literary feast in elementary school. In sixth grade, though, I decided that I had to be an atheist. Right? That I mm-hmm. that um, to be honest, I had to. I I didn't actually believe in God, and I was I was actually disappointed to become an atheist. It wasn't really what I wanted to do, but I believed that I didn't have any evidence for God. And so, and I thought but this means reap cheap is no longer on my side.
0: Mm, <laughs> the, the, the story the had
1: King Arthur,
0: mm, the belly laugh, the, right?
1: No the, longer <laughs> had a place at the round table for me. Yeah. Right? And that was, you know, um, and I this remember, this goes
0: right back to the beginning of a conversation where you were saying like your kids, like if you yeah, attach yeah. these,
1: <laughs> these that.
0: moments and they're only going to believe, no, that can't be true because that was funny. Right.
1: Right. right? Exactly. So we like, uh, and I remember once, so, eighth grade probably sitting there trying to explain i got really into sigmund freud and i was trying to explain to this girl you me baby we ain't must- we ain't nothing but mammals mm-hmm. right and and so it's just mating mm-hmm. <laughs> and then i'm like when right. i'm sitting there talking and and really you know it comes from this the, the your your anxiety only it only comes from the fact that uh you know the, the Sexual desires that we have for our parents are suppressed by society, and I realized Reba Cheap would run me through, and he would throw me off the Don Treader, and mm. I am done. Like I am so I am no longer. There's no chance for me to become who I wanted to be. My right? heroes, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My whole life, all I wanted was to lean off the front of the Don Treader with Reba Cheap, point my nose towards the sunrise, and explore, and go, and you know, uh, and there wasn't, that, that wasn't a thing and it wasn't possible anymore. Right. And I, so I, I became very, uh, anxious, you know, filled with uh, a lot of just kind of existential despair. Uh, and d- I didn't have, didn't, didn't think there was really a way out. I, mean, I was going to the library trying to find right. A way somebody
0: out. needs to save yeah, me.
1: Right. Um, and, uh, and I- in the process, um, you know, there were a, a number of other books that had a really deep effect on me to kill a mockingbird. And, but uh, <laughs> what ended up happening was a friend on my soccer team invited me to church, right? And I was like, You know, I'm an atheist, right? he said, Yeah, but we're going roller skating. I was like, Well, I do like roller skating. Right? <laughs> 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 so I was like, Okay, I'll go roller skating. I said, But I'm not going to get converted. And he's like, This is all right. We're just going roller skating, man. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kyle takes me roller skating with this church and then won the roller skating dance contest obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you that one <laughs> white dude. Oh, yeah, huh? I was, I was. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um yeah, yeah, I was in a breakdancing crew. Oh wow. But, yeah, the, so we we uh, and 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 these people are not don't have anxiety. Right? Mm. These Christians don't. And so uh, I started asking questions at digging in, um met some you know, a couple of older men in the church, and and started asking questions about atheism and discovered that they had read more on atheism than I had. They were less afraid of atheism than I was of the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, realized I gotta I, I gotta do I gotta I gotta dig into this. And one of them gave me a Bible. Found out I didn't have a Bible. Gave me a Bible. You know, went home, began reading it. And discovered that uh, that it's a world that actually fits together, right? So mm. all so you know all of the punk rock that I listened to, all of the Simon and Garfunkel was filled with "There's no place for me, I don't fit anywhere." Uh, that that there was actually another way to imagine the world imagine the kind of place this was well, even
0: they were lying because all of a sudden they're making millions of dollars fitting in somewhere <laughs> right. identifying with everybody. <laughs> right. 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 So that's like, yeah. that doesn't, it falls yeah. like the Legos. It well, falls it's, flat on his face. Yeah.
1: Well, it's like, it's like the blues, you know, you, you go, you, you sing the blues cause you're sad, but then being sad together makes everyone happy. <laughs> right. 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 So, yeah. and so, um, and there, but there are just certain books that I have come across that describe exactly exactly the thing that I didn't understand that made atheism seem like it made sense. Mm. Right. And it's the kind of world that we lived in and our place in it. Right. If I am just a mammal, um, then, then it doesn't make sense that I'm a gardener or, or not. None, none mm. of that makes sense. Right. Then, then uh, if I'm, if I'm, if I am just one cog in, this place if i'm if there's no difference between me and um, you know between me and a blue whale and a an um, you know a green onion right yeah. i'm just like, i'm just a complicated germ right then it doesn't make sense that i feel all this anxiety right but if i am a transcendent being like um like derrida talks about that i can actually s- step outside this world, transcend it, stand in my mind from the nothing, looking down upon this place objectively, then um, this world that used to be, is, is actually haunted by me, right? I'm the ghost mm-hmm. haunting the world, right? That neither of those seem um, like options that give you any sort of experiential perch, um, to be in the world, right? But along the way, I discovered guys like Maximus the Confessor who, so uh, Maximus the Confessor, um, it, he's, he is, uh, he's talking about the kind of, the kind of world that this place is, right? Mm-hmm. He says, this is the power through which every being is brought to its indestructible, unconfused identity, both in activity and in being. No being can permanently isolate itself through its own particularity or through the drive of its nature towards some other end. Rather, everything remains in its very being, bound without confusion to everything else through the single, enduring relationship of all to their one and only source, Christ. Mm. Right? So because Jesus created this place, we have an actual identity and everything else has an actual identity. Mm -hmm. And I have a relationship to everything else um, because we all have a relationship to Jesus, right? This is a world that actually fits together. Mm -hmm. um, And I have a place in it, right? I, I don't have to, um, I, I don't have to think, well, am I a ghost in the world that doesn't really fit? Or mm-hmm. am I just a complicated germ that shouldn't be having any of the, and all these thoughts are illusions, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it,
0: can't throw one in there too, is yeah. a, a cog in a machine. Because right. I think that a lot of people, you know, I mean, I, that song, we don't need no education. If you look at that, the education they're talking about is, I, I agree with, but it's just cogs in a machine. But then I think p- people tend to look at this, part in the universe like a cog machine, but the way that God makes stories. And if you look at the stories, he finds people like Mary. Right. Right. (laughs) He finds guys like Abraham. Right. You know, Moses, like he, he, he doesn't the way that he tells stories. It's if, if anybody's going to make a cog beautiful, it's going to be him, but it's not cogs that are just doing their thing. It's narratives written for each individual thing in his universe to do. Which is going back to the metaphysics: the whole universe is operating the way he's written that story for it to operate right. for as long as he's written that story. Go ahead.
1: When we tend to think in terms of that mechanical, or now even a computer metaphor yeah. system, yeah, uh, you know, who am I? Where do I fit? Am I hardware or am I software? Right, know, those right, sorts right, right, of right. Questions, but this is why uh, guys like Maximus the Confessor were so helpful to me. To me, this is speaking about Maximus the Confessor, but he says. Uh, Maximus's ecstatic vision of a holy universe flowing forth wave upon wave from the unfathomable depths of God whose center lies always beyond the creature's reach his vision of a creation that realizes itself in ever more distant echoes until it finally ebbs away at the borders of nothingness yet which is held together unified and brought home step by step through the ascending unities of an awestruck love Maximus's vision of a world dancing in the festal celebration of liturgical adoration—a single organism, made up of inviolable ranks of heavenly spirits and ecclesiastical offices—all circling round the brilliant darkness of the central mystery, aware of the unspeakable nearness of their source in all its radiant generosity, yet equally aware of the ever greater distance of the superessential, the superinconceivable. It says, it's a bolt of lightning that discloses in a single flash the overwhelming contemporaneity or closeness of all the realms of being down to the very elements of matter themselves, mm. of their layers and interconnections, their approaches to and descents from, the invisible peak of all things, revealing a picture of stability and majestic peace such as has never been glimpsed before. Mm. Right? So you have uh, a world that actually is designed to fit together as it as it moves uh out from god and towards god right mm. that god is at the center holding it all together and that god is the 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 the, the mc of the festival mm. right that the whole world is in this this uh festival relationship with god as it dances Uh, away from him and then towards him in praise and then away from him in service and then towards Mm. him in praise right Mm. and that we as christians are called into our fitting place in that universe as the priests of it all right so that that god's the MC, and then what he does is he calls us to um to take it you know take a place as callers in that festival dance right Mm. that all of creation that's what it's for is to move out from god in service and then back to him in praise and then out from god in service and back to him in praise and in it in a, a continual dance and that our job as sons of adam and daughters of eve is to direct the world in that dance mm. so <laughs> all of a sudden you move from who am i i'm a ghost that bounces uh, bounces around and has no place in this world to well, I know exactly my place, mm. right? Whatever, whatever thing God gives me, my job is to pick it up, use it in service of God to my neighbor, and then return to God in praise with it, and then mm. use it in service to God with my neighbor, right? So everything has that purpose.
0: So and, th- and so you're defining those things. What are they, and how do I use them in this dance?
1: Right, including my neighbor.
0: Including right? my neighbor. How do
1: I oblate, lift my neighbor up? God. Okay.
0: So then, okay, man, we got to go. Cause, but we need to do this. Can we do this again? Yeah, absolutely. Would you, would you, I love you. Cause we got a book, a <laughs> box of books. <laughs> we didn't even get to, right. we didn't get to a full orb understanding of, uh, the, you know, what'd you call it? A total, are you talking about man being, we don't have a full,
1: Oh, you, uh, an integrated, integrated universe or yeah. A, yeah. yeah. You had this
0: Torum something on the table. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I want to get to that. We didn't give chance to it. So Real quickly, because we've talked about, and I, this is still in the back of my head, us trying to use legislation to push because we're in fear and we're operating right. in anxiety, right? And so we want to use that law to push back against how does this that you're talking about lead to laws that reflect yeah. Because you can't get away. The I, I, doing the laws is inescapable, right. Right? right? The laws are inescapable. Yeah, but there, but there's a way to engage it. Which you're doing it out of righteousness and and worship, instead of a defense against, right. the thing that so, you fail to be, you know, discipling. Yeah,
1: <laughs> because because um, you know we know that the law inflames sin, right? And so when you make a law in seventy nine, um, about defining marriage, what. What we're we going to get is more divorce. What we're going yeah. to get is a breakdown of marriage. What we're going to get is an attempt to redefine marriage, right? Mm-hmm. That We caused that by trying to solve the problem with law from the outside in. Uh, but we know that the law of God is going to fill the world the way the waters cover the sea. Right? Mm-hmm. But it tells us in Micah that it actually, that the way that it goes out is by being written on hearts. Mm. Right? So the the law of God is written on hearts and then goes out from there, right? The world the law of God spreads, but the safe place for it is actually heart to heart to heart to heart. It's not um it, it can't be legislation uh, legislation imposed. Now, what happens, you know, is you know, like for example, it says uh, in In uh, when David is anointed by uh, Samuel, it says the spirit of God rushed upon him, right? And so he had the wisdom to lead God's people well, right? So he is even in Psalm fifty-one, he's in the middle of repentance, but he's also reflecting upon the order of the the sacrifices of the law, right? He's reflecting upon the law. He's trying to figure out how to apply it well. Um, but so as uh, he's doing that, because the spirit of God rushed upon him, right? Mm. And what mm. we need is for the spirit of God to rush upon us as God's people. The spirit of God to rush upon our legislators, right? That that so long as we are whitewashing tombs with mm-hmm. laws, right? we're we're going to get. Uh, we're going to have laws that make. We need a revival. Worse. Like you said, a revivalist yeah.
0: side when you yeah. come back to, yeah, a revivalist side that actually has a robust worldview, right. and that's what I'm realizing. So a lot of times, uh, people in my camp tend to want to rush to applying laws to books without applying laws to heart. Right. Exactly. And because it's easier to do one side, and apply it to a heart means that you're going to have to be a person with uh, pathos and ethos, so people can see that, and yeah. then the logos that follows behind it along with it versus just characters of their arguments. Yeah, Right. Yeah. exactly, <laughs>
1: Exactly. right? Straw men are easy to burn up. Yeah, so, that's yeah.
0: right. And that's that's exactly what's been happening with our laws, is that we've been making laws for straw men. One more thing. How do we reach people who, I mean, I get with the gospel, but sometimes when we talk with people, I realize that our rhetoric with the gospel is a little broken. So a person who actually has been in a trans situation or going through the process, I've learned that one of the best things I could ever say to them is who hurt you. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Versus, you know, um, and there's nothing, but there, there's a way to administer the gospel directly to the problem. And sometimes the a way to talk about the gospel where it doesn't even touch the problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so how do we take them with the metaphysics that's been bathed in Genesis <laughs> and start talking to people who are in these situations where they don't know who they are, and what they're for.
1: Right. I mean, what it is, what we, if if our desire is to uh, be the kingdom of priests, like we're called to be, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, then our desire has to be to reconcile people to God, right? And a lot of times we're trying to win people to our tribe, win people to our camp. When our argument, win our argument, right? Win an argument. We're not trying to reconcile people to God. And, um, you know, the and so and we don't have we're not we don't have promises from God that we will get people into our tribe. We don't have promises from God that um if we speak the truth they will become presby- people will become Presbyterians right
0: okay. just keep pouring <laughs> yeah. cold water yeah. on that for me.
1: <laughs> we have promises from God that um that you know so this this is how I, I would put it. so Charles Spurgeon he says, that um, too often, uh, uh, what we do is, as preachers and people of God is we buy a lot of commentaries, so that we can build nice cages to display the lion of God's words mm-hmm. to His people. He mm-hmm. right? says, la- "Instead, instead, what we need to do is let the lion out, mm-hmm. let it roar." Mm-hmm. But it is it is dangerous. Right? Preaching the word of God is dangerous, partly because it's going to make people that get converted and they turn around and look at you and they say, pastor, should you be doing that? (laughs) But also just, we, we, when we have, we have uh, pews full of wineskins waiting to be burst by, by Christ. The
0: beauty of the gospel. And
1: and there, but if, if we're not, if we're not doing that, um, you know, we people need to be recreated. Mm-hmm. Right? The Apostle Paul says, I don't have a pen that writes on hearts, right? I don't have that power. All I have is a promise from God that when I preach, people will get saved. People's hearts will be written upon mm-hmm. right, by the Spirit of God. I, I don't have a promise that I can turn people into good republicans or you know mm-hmm. I, I have but I have a promise that when the word goes out that the same word that created them is being preached to recreate them. Mm -hmm. And I think that we don't believe people need recreation. We believe people need to have some of their ideas corrected right? because we're Gnostics and we think that salvation comes through getting them the right ideas and then those ideas will have consequences. That's not what people need. People need to be recreated. And the word of God that created them, when it's preached, will recreate them that the world is in the process of being recreated and, and
0: which so brings up a whole nother question to me, which is what in the heck are we preaching on our pulpits? Because we're not seeing a whole lot of the people, you know, you yeah, know, anyway. it's true. And so man, dude, I pr- thank you. You drove all the way out here from Spokane to do this. And that's I appreciate it, I, I still have a million questions. So maybe for round two.
1: Yeah. For round two. Thanks Jason. Yeah.